0: What's up Dolphins and welcome into the Monday, November the 27th recap edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. I am your host Travis Wingfield and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football with new introduction and all. And on today's show of course we have to talk about the loss in Foxborough as the Dolphins drop their fifth consecutive game by the final of 35-17 and with just five games left to go what is the Dolphins focus? Should they blow it up? Should they just retool it? We'll talk about that. Also I'll give you an update on the Dolphins draft position and as always we dive into the Sunday night. Twitter mailbag here on the Sunday recap show or Monday recap show. It depends on when you listen to this, obviously. But I have to go ahead and ask you guys to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, tuned in, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast from. And for more information on the Dolphins, follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL, follow the show at LockdownFins, and check out LockdownDolphins.com. There is currently a piece right now up about Saquon Barkley and his potential fit in the Miami offense. And this week we'll look at two more blue chip draft prospects in college football in North Carolina State's Bradley Chubb and Alabama's Minka Fitzpatrick. But first things first, let's go ahead and talk about this game today. And of course, we're going to start with the position that everyone wants to talk about every single game, every single play. The quarterback and Matt Moore, everyone's favorite backup quarterback in Miami, comes in and and has a rough day for the Dolphins. Kind of been the case with him as a starter in in the past of his career anyway. The Dolphins quarterback issues continue. Matt Moore had accuracy issues. He had problems pointing out protection calls with the offensive line. The quarterback position has just been a serious problem this year ever since the starter went out back in training camp. Kind of anticipated that happening without Ryan Tannehill. But of the 11 games this year, Miami has received Good quote quarterback play in just three games. And I kind of put quotations around that good there because he had, or Jay Cutler, I should say, had over 100 passer ratings in the Los Angeles game, the home Jets game, and the home Raiders game. But in the other games, here's your quarterback ratings for the Dolphins this year. Jay Cutler, 70.3, 71.1, 52.1, 76.7, 82.4, and 60.8. Matt Moore has, a, and two starts, a 47.2 and a 70.1. He had a lot of 70s in there. 1, two, three, Four seventies, a 60, a 50, and a 40. So the league average passer rating is right around the high 80s, low 90s. You know, Ryan Tannehill last year was at 93.5. That was above the league average. I was like 12th in the NFL, I do believe. And so this year, Miami, way, way, way below that number. I know the passer rating function or the passer rating stat is a function of the offense in general. I do agree with that. But it just kind of shows you where the Dolphins are at offensively this year without the new quarterback or without the old quarterback, I should say. But last year, Miami had just four games, and those are in the Ryan Tannehill starts with a passer rating under 85. So just four games last year, and now you have seven this year and they aren't even done yet, so it could get a lot worse than that. Looking at those numbers, right around the mid-70s is normally where the Dolphins are at, and a few well below well below that, like I mentioned. C.J. Beathard, the San Francisco 49ers rookie quarterback, who is having a really rough year. He has the third worst rating in the NFL right now at 70.8 out of qualifying quarterbacks. Miami has six games lower than that rating right now. Six games lower than the third worst rated quarterback. You're not going to win a lot of football games getting that type of quarterback production. Like I said, I know it's a stat that's a function of the entire offense, but it just shows you where they're at right now. But quarterback, rem- remains a huge issue no matter whether it's Jay Cutler, Matt Moore, David Phils, whatever you want it to be to be an issue going forward. Moving on to the running backs now. For me, it was tough to see Damian Williams go down with that injury. He was playing pretty well. You know, I still am not very inspired by him as a runner, but he has been elusive this year, more so than he has in the past. He's obviously a great pass catcher. Does a lot of work in pass protection. I didn't like seeing him go down like that because he was obviously in a lot of pain, and, and you know, it's probably going to be either the end of the year or at least maybe the end of the next few games for him. Probably not one he's going to come back from anytime soon. Also, Sonoris Perry, a pretty ugly injury. You don't want to see that ever. I like this backfill what they offer, but you know, Kenyon Drake, another fumble today, but he has some more good catches out of the backfield. I think this backfield's good. I just think you can do a lot better, and we'll get to that later on in this podcast as well throughout the course of the rest of the season. Moving on to the offensive line. For the life of me, I cannot figure out what's going on with these twists and stunts. I mentioned the protection calls at the top of the show and Matt Moore has some, something to do with that, but these guys can't pick up the most basic stunts that I've seen a lot of teams run. It's just a simple twist with a defensive end twist inside and you have the no, or the defensive tackle shoot to the outside gap. And These protections are just breaking down constantly with free rushers. I mean, free rushers getting into the quarterback's face. Matt Moore is not going to elude those. You have to have an athletic, mobile quarterback to do that. Laramie Tunsil and Ted Larson were awful. Just terrible at picking those up. Larson was chasing guys into the backfield like Dallas Thomas did in his prime, and Larry Tunzel wasn't a whole lot better. I thought Jesse Davis did okay at right guard. It's not his natural position. He's kind of learning that, but I just think you're finding a starter there somewhere on the offensive line in 2018. It's not I don't know that it's realistic to replace three guys in the offensive line. Much more attainable to replace two, so hopefully they can do that with Jesse Davis playing wherever he's going to play. Mike Pouncey, much of the same as it's been all year, not a very good performance, but the left side of the offensive line was an absolute killer. And then real quickly here on the receivers before we get into the defensive side of the football, Devontae Parker and his lack of Effort, I guess. I know the interception, the first one. That that's on Matt Moore. That ball's underthrown. But geez, just give him a little bit of effort and come back and fight for the ball. I mean, at that point, you have to turn into defensive back. And just I see a bit of a selfish player that when you don't come back to that ball and fight for it and the opportunity to at least break it up to live another down. At that point, the Dolphins are down twenty-one to ten, about to go into the locker room. You can very at least. At, at the very least, break that pass up, preserve a field goal, and then you go into the locker room down by one score, which is a hell of a feat for this team that was struggling so bad in that first half on offense. So some mistakes though from Devontae Parker he has a later interception on a ball targeted to him again. Jarvis Landry has an awesome game today. I love the way he ran with the football after the catch. And like I said earlier, with Matt Moore's accuracy issues, made it tough on him because there was one play where he had a little drag route across the under right, right behind the line of scrimmage, I should say, underneath the linebackers, and the, he's got room up in front of him. It kind of reminded me of that play last year in the Arizona game where he broke two tackles and ran for 73 yards down to the one-yard line or whatever it was. But he had a similar-looking play like that where there's no defensive back in the area. There's a linebacker on his hip. He gets in front of him, and the ball is thrown way behind him. He has to come back and pin the ball on his hip, and he gets tackled for just a one-yard gain. So quarterback play has a lot to do with the receivers not performing the way we hoped they would. Jarvis Landry, Kenny Stills. I mean, Kenny Stills kind of a ghost today until that awesome catch on the sideline. But you just kind of see, I think you're kind of starting to see where the skill on this receiving core is. Obviously, Devontae Parker is mega talented and has all the ability in the world to be great, but it doesn't mean... a. Damn thing if you're not going to put in the effort and the work ethic and all the things that go into that stuff. And we've heard about from the coaching staff in the past, Devontae Parker needs to pick up his work habits and needs to be a little bit more reliable when it comes to being a guy that's going to practice day in and day out and not get nicked up by those nagging injuries that keep him on the sidelines. So I think that as you move forward, obviously the contract situation for Jarvis Landry is going to be tough with him wanting that elite level money. He's not worth that. I know that. You guys know that. I don't think he knows that, but he should know that. But he wants that top-level dollar. He's not going to get it from Miami, and if he asks for it and, and wants that, he's going to have to go find it somewhere else. But I really hope they find a way to get this done because Jarvis Landry is the heartbeat of this team, kind of the way this offense goes. And I, I, you hate to lose a player like that that it means so much to. So I want to see him come back. I know Adam Gaze loves him. I know Adam Gaze is not real fond of Devontae Parker. So it'll be really interesting to see where this team goes at that position in this offseason. It's, it's all going to work around Jarvis Landry's contract. So that's where the offense is at this in this On this day, it was not a very good performance from the offense. Obviously, seven of the 17 points come from Rashad Jones' touchdown, but we'll get to that here next on the defensive side of the football, talking about the Dolphins' performance in Foxborough and how they defended Tom Brady here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. All right, This is the Lockdown Dolphins Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield at WingfieldNFL at Lockdown Fins and of course LockdownDolphins.com for all your print needs for the Miami Dolphins in terms of com- commentary and news and updates and all that stuff. And This week we're going to talk about Alabama corner Minka Fitzpatrick and what he could possibly do to help the Dolphins defense and something they could have used today in this game because the Dolphins on defense were not good in coverage once again. Too many communication breakdowns in the back end and for as great as Rashad Jones, is as a run defender, as a blitzer, as a guy that plays around the line of scrimmage, he really has some problems in coverage, and I hate that they get him so many one-on-one opportunities with him, because that's when the, that's when the team can really capitalize on Rashad Jones. He's not the most sudden, change of direction type of guy. He, he can arrive with force and contact, or with a big impact, and he can redirect routes and stuff, but he's not going to run for a guy step-for-step, step. and we saw that with rock Bunkowski in this game, and I just think you have to get him out of that position. The communication issues continue to show up, like I mentioned. Cordray Tankersley, he got, be- he got beat bad a few times on crossing routes, where he kind of passed his man off. It was clearly man coverage and he passes him off. Not sure what he's thinking there. Maybe that's just a young guy thing that he'll get over, hopefully, because he's been a pretty good player this year for the Dolphins. Up front, the pass rush remains quite an issue. Andre Branch continues to get torched in all facets of the running game as well as pass as well as the pass rush. I still like the defensive tackle duo. Uh, obviously, Devon Godshaws had a, gr- a very good rookie year, and Damakensu is dominant, as always. I think Cam Wake needs an even more reduced pitch count at this point of his career. He's not getting at home as often as you'd like. He had the sack today when Brady had the, the muff snap. But, you know, awesome to see Cam Wake bury Tom Brady maybe for the last time. You never know. But good to see that again linebacker remains a major, major issue. Lawrence Timmons has really faded off the last couple of weeks. The Andre Branch contract was bad, but the Kiko Alonso contract might have been even worse. He's completely useless as a blitzer, pretty much useless in in coverage, not much of a run. I just don't know what he does well. It's really weird to see. I mean, he hasn't really changed direction very well, hasn't played the football well, done a bruising, you know, tackler or impact player when he arrives on a collision. So just not really sure what he does for you from that standpoint. So... Where does Miami go from here? I mean, the defense is just as bad as it has been the last three years. It seems to me like Ryan Tannehill was keeping a very, very bad team from being that bad and kind of keeping them afloat in those playoff races right around seven, eight, nine, maybe even 10 wins like last year. So does Miami blow it up or do they retool? And the reason I asked that is because I saw a lot of people talking about blowing this entire thing up on Twitter today and about the whole offseason being about remaking everything. And I I just don't see it that way. I think this team is a lot closer than you would want to think. I mean, there's no Cleveland Browns scenario here. There's no... Frankly, that's where the comparisons run out because you have teams like the Jaguars last year or the Rams last year who were just god-awful. And here they are on the door of of the postseason playing pretty good football right now. And two of the teams that I want to look at are the Saints and the Rams because these are two teams that had... Serious, serious roster issues, whether it was on the offensive side of the ball for the Rams or the defensive side of the ball for the Saints. They could not stop anybody for the Saints and they could not move the ball whatsoever for the Rams. You make a couple of changes here and there, a couple of tweaks for the Rams. Obviously, you get the new head coach. That's a big deal. Obviously, going from Jeff Fisher to Sean McVeigh is a big jump. And then Jared Goff having this, you know, the biggest jump from rookie to sophomore season I've ever seen in my life. Pretty crazy to see what happens there. But they go out and they get Robert Woods and Sammy. Sammy Watkins and Cooper Cup. They go out and get Andrew Whitworth. Todd Gurley's just back to being a beast. Make those few changes there, and all of a sudden, they go from worst to almost best in the league. Same for for the New Orleans Saints. They go from having a terrible, historically bad defense for a couple of years in a row, and now you bring in Marshawn Lattimore. You bring in Marcus Williams in the secondary as well. You have Sheldon Rankins come back from an injury and play very well. So Alex Anzalone in the draft last year, they have hit on a lot of these draft picks, and it's making a big difference for this team, and they are playing great football. They're eight and three after the loss today, but they remade a side of the football in a relatively quick amount of time. So if you want to use the Dolphins draft class from last year with these rookies that are playing pretty well, and then go out and make another good draft class on one side of the ball, whether it's offensive or defense, I just don't think you're that far away because you have a quarterback. And a lot of these teams that are struggling right now don't have the quarterbacks. And the Dolphins right now are a team that doesn't have a quarterback this year, and that's why they're struggling. But look at the teams that have lost their quarterbacks. I'll talk about it again. I've talked about it a lot. The Houston Texans can't move the football without Deshaun Watson. Tom Savage is nowhere even close in the stratosphere of being an NFL quarterback the Colts Jacoby Brissett has played well for them at least in in some spot duty there, here and there but without Andrew Luck their their hopes go out the window obviously Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the league but going from him to Brett Hundley they're all of a sudden a Super Bowl contender to a team that can't even get a victory unless it's over the bear the hopeless bears and then you look at a team like the Arizona Cardinals, who have a tough time getting wins without Carson Palmer as well. You obviously have the Vikings, who have done it with Case Keenum this year, but that's just kind of a different situation with the defense being so dominant. Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs being dominant. The offensive line got rebuilt this offseason. And that's a good example for you, too. The Minnesota Vikings offensive line, they go out and draft Pat Elfline in the second round. He comes in and plays center form and has been fantastic. And there's another center from Ohio State this year, Mr. Billy Price, the center there. He has been fantastic for the Buckeyes, would be a great addition to this offensive line. But that's for another day. So I just think that right now, you look at the way this team is built, I think that you aren't that far off from just retooling. You can piece together a couple of right draft picks or right free agency moves the way the Rams and Saints did and you can turn it around. If you're getting bad play from just two or three guys on one particular side of the ball you take those guys out, that's 20 to 30% of your defense, and you replace them with good players, that's a huge boost in productivity as well as effort and all that good stuff that goes along with that. So you're not that far away on either side of the ball. You have obviously some bad holes, some really glaring holes, but you have a lot of guys that are good pieces that could be fits for a winning team in the future. So you have to come down to this, is deciding on which of these three guys is the most to blame and how do you rectify the situation going into the offseason? Because you have Adam Gaze, who I talked about on Twitter, is Highly regarded amongst coaches around the league and amongst all the players I've ever played for him. I've I've written articles about him and some of the things the guys have to say around the league about him and how Peyton Manning loves him and Nick Saban, and you guys have heard it a million times how well-revered he is across the league. Chris Greer, the GM, is a highly, highly regarded scout, so I don't have any problems with him around the draft classes. I think they've had some draft moves that have have looked pretty good the last couple of years. Obviously, some ones that didn't work out, that's going to be every year. And then you have Mike Tannenbaum. And I think he's the one that sticks out to me. He, you look at the Jets in the past. They had those two AFC championship game runs, and those were awesome. And I'm, I'm sure those, those fans love those two years and, and would give almost anything to go back to those type of two years. But after that was over and that run was over and those players started to age a little bit, those contracts were just dreadful. And that's where the Jets are kind of right now in this total rebuild coming into the season, having all this or just no hope whatsoever. They've played better than everyone thought they would. But their hope going into the year was just dreadful because all these bad contracts they had to clear off the books. And I just fear the Dolphins are going to continue to get into that mold where they keep on patching these holes with these high-priced free agents that just aren't going to work out for you long-term in terms of... Building a cohesive unit, a complementary football team that can play together and win together, rather than just having one big name guy fill up a gap or a hole. And it doesn't doesn't team building does not work that way. So I hope that, from my perspective, I want to see Mike Tannenbaum replaced. I want to see Adam Gaze and Chris Greer with Adam Gaze a little bit more input on the personnel moves and on the roster, and have Chris Greer draft this team, and then have maybe you have a consultant for free agency. I'm not really sure how that works in terms of the process of an NFL team doing that with those two guys, but you're probably going to want to bring someone in that helps the self scouting staff or the scouting staff from the other teams across the NFL and, and kind of piece together a plan this offseason. So so that's my opinion. I think you just retool here and there. Don't completely blow it up and sell off the quarterback and sell off all the defensive players that you have that are good and, and get rid of the coach. So don't do that. That's not gonna get you anywhere. It's just gonna put you in purgatory like the Browns are and just continue to down that downward spiral. But we're gonna go ahead and ask you guys what you think next here to jump into the Twitter mailbag next here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. Uh. All right, so you guys can follow the show at LockdownFins, and every Sunday I'll put the question out sometime around the end of the football game to ask you what you think about the game or ask me questions that I'll have answered on the podcast here. I'm going to go ahead and get into that right now at LockdownFins, of course, at Wingfield NFL for my primary Twitter account. First question comes from Hancock. That's at Hancock is BTU. Who impressed slash struggled today? What does a D need to do in 2018 to become a top 15 unit I thought they were on track to do that this year. You know, you have a lot of pieces in place in terms of star power with Cam Wake, Ndamukong Su, Rashad Jones, Lawrence Timmons. I guess Kiko Alonso was supposed to be in that mix too, but I think you're going to have to find a premier cover corner on the outside. I think, I talk, talking about who struggled today, I think Cordray Tankersley had his first big rude awakening in the NFL, and that's going to happen sometimes with the New England Patriots. They're going to beat you up sometimes, and they did today with Cordray Tankersley. In order to... Become a top fifteen. You know, I think you have to find a guy like the Saints with Marshawn Lattimore that can take away side of the field and help you roll coverage the other side. It, there's there's things you can do on a football team that can really have a ripple effect throughout the rest of the roster. I think a premier outside corner would do that. Also, think a pass rusher is a big, big important need. And we'll go ahead and get into this next question here from Greg Larson at GSL. Now he asked, we need to root for a four and twelve season, wouldn't you agree? Who is your first round pick? So going back to that ha- that question from Hancock and talking about the draft, I I do agree that four and twelve right now is the best thing that could happen to this team because you're going to put yourself position to get a blue chip player something they don't have a lot of at this point they have a lot of guys that are good or or like above average or you know a better than good player if that makes sense but not anyone that's really that great so I think that that's the way you get great players is with good draft picks and and you've got to hit home runs in those two so I think you do root for a 4 and 12 finish I don't think the Dolphins are going to beat Maybe Denver this next week, but they're going to go back to Trevor Simeon, who is a much better player than Paxton Lynch, even though neither is very good. But Paxton Lynch was just god-awful, and he got pulled out of the game today with an injury, probably going to be Simeon next week. So I think 4-12 and 12 is very feasible at this point. They're not beating the Patriots. I don't think you're beating Kansas City, even though they're struggling. I don't think you're beating Buffalo twice. Maybe you get one of the Buffalo games. So I think at best, you're 5-11 and probably going to be even 4-12. and 12. So who would I pick? Right now, I still want Saquon Barkley, and I talked about it at the opening of the show. I talked about it on Twitter today. What a good running back can do for an offense, and this isn't like the running backs of old where you just hand them the ball 35 times in a game and just say, you know, go get four yards to carry. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about these offensive weapons that can change the landscape of a football game from both the running and the passing game, and that's something that Saquon Barkley can do. Look at Alvin Kamara in New Orleans, and look at Todd Gurley in Los Angeles. Both those guys are fantastic pass catchers. They help in pass protection. They can run the ball inside, outside of the tackles. They do it all, and they help their team win games so, so much. And that's what I think Barkley could do for this offense. I talked about it in that article on Locked On Dolphins. You can check that out. It's up live right now. April Blue Chips Part 1, Saquon Barkley, talking about his impact with this offense and where he fits in this particular offense. I'm not just going to throw out names for you guys and say, oh, that's the best player. Dolphins have a need. Take him. I'm talking about guys that fit in your scheme, and Saquon Barkley would fit fantastic with Ryan Tannehill and the zone read and play-action passing game and all that good stuff. So definitely look for Saquon Barkley. My next two options are still Bradley Chubb and Minka Fitzpatrick. I will have more for you on that, Greg, on this week's LockedOnDolphins.com website. So check out that. And the next question comes from Damian Mark at Damian T26, my question would be, has Gaze lost the locker room at all? That's a tough question to ask. I don't have inside access to that. I don't know the players. I don't know the, the coaching staff. I think that'd be a good question for a beat writer, but he's never going to give you that information either. I think that you have some guys that maybe aren't playing up to their potential, which is might, might be a red flag on the coach. But I think you also have guys that are still bringing their lunch pails in their, in their A games too. So kind of tough to judge, Damien. I don't have a good answer for you in that, so I apologize for that. Next question comes from... Lee, that's at Lee, top landing. Are players running free against the D? Are players running... Playing bad or a bad scheme. I think you're asking if there's a lot of free freelancing going on, and that's something that Rashad Jones has kind of been guilty of in the past. He's a gamble type of player, and when it works, it works awesome. Like the pick six against the Titans a few years ago, that was an awesome looking play where he gambled and won. But he also has those where he messes up and kind of bites on bad co- or on coverage, and, and it frees up a receiver wide up and down the field. Happened against the Jets this year with Robbie Anderson, and it's happened again since then. But I think that there are a little bit of freelancing going on. But I just I think the man coverage today just wasn't going to be good enough because the Patriots have better players on their side of the football Brandon Cooks is a tough tough cover and man coverage and the Patriots absolutely exploited that today so I'll have to look at it closer for you to get you a better answer but I know Rashad Jones does a little bit too much freelancing and that can kind of cause some problems in the back end Next question comes from Sam, by the way. That's at Sam underscore, by the way. Any chance the Dolphins take a look at McFadden with the two injuries to the running backs? Was just waived by Dallas recently. That's a really good question, Sam. I think they're going to have to bring someone in because I doubt Sonoris Perry clears this week. That looked pretty bad and I don't think Damian Williams is coming back anytime soon either. So you're going to have to sign somebody. That might be somebody to look at. I'm not sure if there's a connection there. Usually when you have those type of players that come in, there's a connection between someone on the staff that recruited him or or scouted him, whatever whatever you want to say for that. So if there's a connection there, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they'll turn over all the all the stones that have to be overturned to look at that position. I don't think Derek Mc, Darren McFadden would have an awful lot of success with this team because you know the amount of penetration they allowed, he's more of a patient picky runner. That might not work out for him the way it didn't work out for J. So probably not, but you never know what could happen. Next question comes from Justin Smith. That's at DJ Osten. What would you or what would your draft position picks be next year? I take best player available. It doesn't matter. Pick the best players unless you're like a you know like the Patriots with Tom Brady. You're obviously not gonna draft a quarterback, but Take the best player. Whoever you think is the best, take them, put them in, and enjoy the success for years and years to come. Next question and the last question here from Thomas Duncan. That's at magic Two Hundred. Do you think Adam Gaze has or will be humbled by the season? I think for him to succeed in 2018, he can't be so stubborn. Sticking with Cutler, wide receiver screens, didn't get a guard, etc., etc., etc. I agree, Thomas. I think that he does have to take a step back a little bit and be humbled by the season because you're just not going to have success like he th- like he probably thought he was going to have without any adversity and that kind of stuff in the NFL. And that's something we saw with Josh McDaniels when he went to the Denver Broncos years and years ago. Not years and years ago, but a few years back. And he kind of came- got humbled, came back to the Patriots. Now he's another head coaching candidate again. That's why I don't want to see Adam Gaze shipped away after two years because... When you hired him, he was a thirty-eight-year-old ripe assistant that was awesome at everything he did up to this point. And you get into the head coach's chair, and everything falls into you. Whether it's a breakdown with your offensive line coach, you know, doing inappropriate extracurricular activities. Whether it's your running back that is, you know, bitching about not fitting the right scheme and all this stuff. Everything falls into your plate, and it's a lot to deal with. And I'm not saying that it excuses him from doing a poor job. He has done a poor job in certain senses, like you said, Jay Cutler. But then again, is that a poor job when you have Matt Moore playing like he did today? The wide receiver screens. I don't love those. The, the offensive line. It, it, the negligence on the on the guard position on the offensive line, that's a thing that I have a problem with. I think they'll get that addressed this year. It's not going to be a high-priced guy like a, a first-round draft pick or a top-level free agent, but something you're going to have to put a little bit more resources into because you look at the Saints this year. I go back to them again. They signed a high-priced free agent at right guard and Larry Warford and drafted Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Ramchick to play right tackle. And those guys have both been awesome for them this year. So it's not like you can't get it turned around right away at certain positions. I think that's something Adam Gates has to look at and kind of self-evaluate. And like you said, be humbled because... Don't let this guy get away. It's it's supposed to be. He was supposed to be hired here for the long term. Let him learn these things and, and kind of grow as a coach and learn how to handle the head chair a little bit better than he has this year. Like I said, it's been a tough, tough year from an adversity standpoint. So not going to put too much blame on his point on his plate in terms of all the things that have gone wrong. Obviously, he does have some of that blame, but just give it time, guys. It's, I know it's it's kind of all I've been doing for the last 20 years for this team, but give it time. Let this coaching staff play it out. Com- complete the cohesive and the continuity aspects that you want to fulfill with this head coach and, and give him four years to kind of let this process play out and if we're still here after four years then we'll revisit that topic then but you have a lot of guys in the NFL like Jason Garrett, Sean Payton they've had these ups and downs good years bad year you know whatever it is and they look at look at them now they have tenure they're awesome coaches that are highly regarded so just be patient I mean there's not a lot of options out there right now guys that have been fired by other teams and another hot coordinator guy that or hot coordinator candidate that you're looking for so can you do better than Adam Gaze? Maybe, but that's, you know, I, I want to see it play with Adam Gaze first. All right, before I sign off here on the end of the podcast on the Locked Dolphins podcast, just want to update you on some of the losses around the league today. or I should say wins from teams around the Dolphins draft positioning. The Arizona Cardinals with a big win that helps them jump over the Dolphins in the draft or I guess behind them. The Bengals of the win helps do the same thing. And then the Chargers and Raiders both win do the exact same thing. So the Dolphins now jump all the way from 14th in the draft to picking ninth if the season ended today. And of course, like I said, if we keep losing games, kind of put them even higher into that respect in that regard. So, I, you know, I hate being able to get up, reach the tank, but right now I think that would be the best thing for the Miami Dolphins. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today's podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a rating review, and check out the other Locked On Sports podcast for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter, at Wingful NFL and check out LockedOnDolphins.com. Be back tomorrow with another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football.